0: Hey everyone, it's Jackie, and today we're in our second episode of our series about friendships. In the previous episode, I spoke with Carolyn Grant about cultivating friendships through life transitions. Today, Steve and I are going to chit-chat about what it's looked like for us to build and rebuild our social circles. Welcome to the Jackie Always Unplugged podcast, where we're having off-the-record conversations. I'm Reverend Dr. Jackie Reese, founder and president of the Marcello Project. As a pastor, preacher, and thought leader, I've walked with women of faith for decades and had thousands of conversations about what women encounter solely because they are women. At work, family, their faith, with relationships, sex, the church, their bodies, and Jesus. On this podcast, we're going to be asking hard questions, dealing with real issues, and revisiting scripture with a new lens. These conversations are going to put words to your female experience. They're going to ennoble you as Jesus intended and encourage you to bring your full self to the table. It's here we're going to reshape our view. Well, welcome back. If you listened to the last episode with Carolyn Grant, you heard me share of a story, uh, a time in which I had to rebuild my social circle. Um, For 14 years, Steve and I worked and lived within a community of faith, right, this particular local church, and we did life there. Everything about our life circled around that church family. And due to some unexpected and quite frankly unwelcome transitions, Steve and I lost 98% of that community in a wink of an eye. <laughs> it was like a sinkhole. And whether we like it or not, there are seasons we have to rebuild relationships because of a transition in our lives. And so, one of the things I wanted to do today is to sit with my husband, Steve, whom it's always so fun to do this podcast with you, Steve.
1: <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah,
0: we'll see. I wanted uh, Steve and I to talk about how we've gone about this with each other as a as a married couple. How do we rebuild social circles? Um, and and I want to say this, like we don't have this down. We actually have to work at it. And what we're going to share is a way or a few ways in which uh, we have rebuilt community. And perhaps you can execute some of them and steal whatever ideas we have and build your own. So Steve, i um, in the last episode, I shared about being wounded and losing friends and the grief and the loss and then the transition and having to rebuild. Um, but I think it's interesting. I don't think I've often heard from men talking about male friendships, uh, sometime, especially when they've been wounded by a male friend. Like I, I think I hear, you know, they get bullied, men get bullied. But I've rarely heard a man talk about grieving over friendships that ended. So you had loss at the same time I had loss. How did that impact you personally and relationally?
1: Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, I just actually had coffee this morning with a guy who's uh, lived in, in Austin for 13 years and said he might have one friend. And hmm. part of that is from his travel schedule, et cetera. So um, I, I think what you're referring to, I had to think through what, of my relationships, male relationships were friendships and what were, I don't even know what another term or that would be, uh, activity relationships, uh, people that we spent time together because of work or, uh, same kind of focused in the same missional, uh, direction, but weren't necessarily friends. And I think that transition helped me really see, um, you know, you, you, you hear Gurus say you you'll be lucky if you have two or three good friends in your that's entire right, lifetime. Right. I mean, really tight good friends, and I think that that helped me see that that's the reality. That there are certain people who stick with you through thick and thin, who um, show up um, without any judgment, no matter what the situation, and just are with et cetera. And so, I, I think it helped me actually see that I had a lot of time spent with people and a lot of relationships that aren't necessarily what I would call friendships
0: Hmm.
1: or deep friendships. Maybe that's the way to describe it.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing that was interesting about that season in our life was there were were a small group of people who stuck with us all the way through, but there were some people who showed up that weren't close with us at that time um, but became close. Like, for whatever reason, they stepped in and stayed in the game with us. I can think of one or two people in which that occurred. It's surprising sometimes Mm -hmm. who you think is going to stick and who you think – isn't and it's it turns out to be different than what you think
1: sometimes or, or even there were some folks that uh showed up who aren't close friends yeah weren't then and aren't now but um had the strength of character or whatever to just show up to call to ask questions to say hey let's have lunch etc so um those those what what I learned from that is that how much effort it takes to create relationships
0: yeah it sure does it sure does I was thinking um several of you listening out there had had commented on my Jackie Always Unplugged Facebook group page about your experiences of life transitions and how that impacted your friends. And a woman named Renee, that's not her real name, uh, shared how her husband had died and her friends, her friends, her friends, not the couple's friends, her friends disappeared. And she was saying it was because they just didn't know how to respond or engage with her loss, her pain. And I know that's really hard. And I know for a lot of us, that showing up when someone's in pain isn't easy. And I think we think we have to have all the answers or, but the truth is, and if you listen to a couple podcasts previously, we just actually have to be present. You don't have to fix it. Your presence does something. And I think that's what you're saying. Like God even provided for us, these people who stepped in for a moment and stayed with us the whole time, but they kind of got us across, you know, the river. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, one of the things about uh, Carolyn's talk with us is that there's a process of losing and rebuilding friendships. And she says we don't have to get stuck in the grief and the loss. She said we can make uh, choices. And she gives us four choices that we can make. We can restore, you know, if we want to go back and kickstart some of those friendships, we, we might want to restore some friendships. She said we can replace, we can decide to pursue new friendships, and we can redesign we can rethink friendships altogether and how we want to engage with people. And I think that's kind of what you were talking about, about your work friendships and realizing, oh, wait a minute, I got to redefine what friendship is for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, keep, oh, keep going. Huh. Oh.
0: And then the last R is relinquish. We still have the option to relinquish those who are not serving us well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me just go on and say this. Were you going to add something to that?
1: Well, I was going to, but I don't know how it fits into what you're going to say. So. Yeah, just say it anyway. Yeah. Um,
0: I always think you have some wise I, insight. I,
1: I, I know that uh, you talked in, in your last podcast about you know it takes a couple hundred hours to develop a deep relationship, and I I think um, <clears throat> we have de- we develop friends over a lifetime in by accident. In other words, you know where you grow up as a kid. Well, you get those two hundred hours together because you. You're in, you live in the neighborhood together, or you're on a basketball team together, or, you know, so you, sp- you go to, ba- you know, your games, you ride in the bus together, and next thing you know, you're 20 years old, and you've gotten 200 hours together, or you work, you're in a workplace together. Right. Um, where you automatically get that time, uh, I think the transitional part of that is, is the hard part of that is trying to figure out how to have those kinds of deep relationships, and yet you, you haven't had those 200 hours, you haven't had two hours. And trying to, it takes a lot of work to make that happen.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing about kids when they graduate from college where these subcultures intensify the amount of hours we're rubbing shoulders, right? Then you get out in the workplace and if you get married and have children, there's only so much time and so much emotional and relational energy you have. It gets harder to build those 200 hours in is what I think you're saying.
1: Oh, yeah. And I mean, you actually have to work at it harder because the, the actual natural connection points to create those hours don't exist right and so um, it's not going to happen without effort right period.
0: effort and intentionality mm-hmm. so I'm going to move us on to how I solved my dilemma of losing friends during that tra- traumatic time in our lives and I think I shared this on the last podcast too but just to get everybody up to speed Um basically we went to an Anglican church after we left our church and one day on a Sunday uh, they were doing communion you know they lined two they line up in two aisles going down the two lines going down the aisle. And I started looking at the women's shoes and I thought, okay, I like her shoes. I think I could be friends with her according to her shoes. And afterwards I went up to the women who had been shoe selected and said, uh, I need new friends. I've got a lake house. I'm a pretty good cook and I'll bring the wine. And I I think about uh, that whole experience and then all the other experiences that we have had most of them and rebuilding community have been around um, my hobby, which is actually to have deep conversation, eat food and drink wine. I used to think I didn't have a hobby by the way, because you know, I'm not as fun as you. I thought, Oh, I don't have a hobby, but oh, 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 the things I really like are eating wine and good conversation. I don't know
1: if a deep conversation is a hobby or an obsession. or
0: an addiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So tell us, uh, during that time, you actually did something very intentional with your male relationships. And um, you started this thing called the fun group. What exactly did that consist of?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the fun group, I don't even think that was a time of transition so much as, um, you know, as a pastor at the time, I would have lunch with guys. And uh, I just wound up maybe, I guess it was close to 40 or something like that. I can't really remember the exact timing. But found myself asking these guys at, at, at over lunch, what do you do for fun? And, uh, I mean, they just kind of responded with a, duh. <laughs> fun, what is yeah. that? And, you know, life had gotten to the place where between work and family, et cetera, they didn't have any space for that. So we formed a fun group. And uh, our fun group uh, didn't have a purpose. We weren't a... We're not going to get together on the first Saturday of every month and have coffee or we're not going to get together and talk about a book. Um, so no. you were purposefully not unpurposeful. Absolutely. Okay. And, and in fact, I was really adamant about that, that this is just a fun group.
0: By the well, way, everybody, Steve's hobby is fun. He loves to
1: have fun. It's an obsession too. Um, <laughs> no. And so, you know, we'd get together, we'd get, you know, go out to a lake house and, and hang out on the dock all night and, um. Just do different things, um, go to a, a bar and watch a game or something like that. But we specifically did not have a purpose except to, to have an, enjoy each other's company together. And I would say that every single one of those guys, there was five of us over a 15 year period w- who all said that that would became the most meaningful relationships in our lives.
0: But not intentionally, right? It's not like you said, we're going to get deep together.
1: No, 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 no.
0: But it went there.
1: Um, It did. But there has still had to be somebody who is reaching out and saying, "Hey, let's get together. What are we going to do? Okay, here's an idea. Here's the timing. That kind of stuff." There, oh, uh, there, to me, there always has to be a, a driver of that, and right. that you know that that's always been me in that circumstance, and I think it's a in general been us in, in even yep. our marital relationships is it, 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 if you don't make effort, it doesn't happen.
0: You're saying there has to be an initiator. There has to Absolutely. be somebody who says, "Let's." A throwing out an idea and saying, let's get together and getting people excited about it.
1: I mean, you got to be as purposeful about it as you are about your, you know, workout life. Um, you, you put things on the calendar, you make a plan, you and you, you pursue it. And if you don't do it, I don't I don't think at least in our stage in life, there's a natural context where you wind up spending 200 hours with people right. by us, you know, just right. by waking up every day. It's not how it works.
0: Yeah. So initiation, and Carolyn talked about that, by the way, that one of the ways we get through uh, a time frame in which we've shifted in our social circles is we have to initiate. And you and I have often talked about the fact that um, that we are the initiators and, and really kind of always have been. Mm-hmm. And, and it took me a little bit in the beginning, maybe not you because you're not... Uh, Built just like I am, but in the beginning, I kind of was a little resentful about that. I don't know if resentment's the right word, but like, you kind of go, "What's up? Like, is there something wrong with me? No one ever asks me, you know." And and then I had to get to the point where I realized, oh, people just don't initiate. It has nothing to do with how they feel about you. Do you think that's kind of true?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just, I, I again, it takes work. It takes effort. You have to plan out time. Um. You have to reach out to people, and getting people's schedules together is ridiculous. Um, you know, we're trying to put together a little one-night gathering with people we go to the gym with, and you know, there's a there's an app called Doodle where you can put out there and you can you can survey people and you'll find a date and a time when you can get together. And they basically say if you give five dates and times, you'll find something that everybody can do. Well, we can't find any on ten, right? Um, Crazy. And so that's effort. And so it's it. Uh, my first response was, well, let's forget it. And then you know, of course, we've got to pursue this because once we get it done, we will have changed our relationships. We will have upped the ante a little bit. And maybe even made some connections for people who have been hanging out in the gym and sweating together, but actually don't know each other.
0: Right. Because these are all people we work out with and we see them all week, every week, but we haven't taken it to the next level. And so we're trying to say, hey, let's take this to the next level. Mm -hmm. One of the things I want to say about that um, is, and then if you'll remind me, let's go to the pickleball thing, but I want to say to everybody listening, and this may not be how you're wired, but I have chosen to have a narrative in my head where I am going to have to continuously create spaces where I am bumping up against people, new people, people I don't know that well, people that aren't my friends. And the way I kind of look at it is like waves. Like I have to let the wave come into my home. And when a wave comes in right to the shore, it leaves some sand And then it goes back out. The tide goes back out. And it takes most of the sand with it, but some of the sand sticks. And that's the way I see friends. Like, I have to keep creating these waves of new people coming in and out, knowing full well that not all of them are going to become good friends or friends and and not taking that personally. But knowing that that that's the way you keep finding these people. And that's kind of what we're doing with the, hey, let's get together with the workout people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's bring in a new wave. So during the pandemic... You and I started playing pickleball. <clears throat>
1: yeah. <laughs> you could call it that.
0: <clears throat> I got good. What do you mean? i would never played a racket sport in my life and I could hit the ball.
1: Yeah, that that's the beauty of pickleball is you can play it and it's not like tennis, so that's for sure. You you can play right from the get go.
0: So basically you're saying if Jackie can do it, anybody can do it? Absolutely. Okay, no thanks. Then.
1: <laughs> they so, may have a better backhand. <laughs>
0: I don't have a backhand. Anyway, so just tell tell what we did. I mean, again, you initiated. We started playing. We really liked it.
1: Right. So we just we just started booking two courts every Wednesday night at the same time in the same place and put together a text group and just, you know, kept putting it out. Courts booked, courts booked, and people would come. And sometimes they'd break friends. Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes people wouldn't show up. Um, oftentimes afterwards, we'd go grab something to eat. And it's funny. Um I think it was a really good moment during COVID and I thought we had a lot of fun and we made some new relationships and friendships and it was a it was a fun place to be able to invite new people to as well. But I think it's, people got to a point where they were a little bit tired of doing it and uh, we took a break from it and we haven't restarted it again, but it's funny. I'm starting to have interactions with folks and they're going how much they missed that in their lives that, and I don't even, I, I don't think it's the activity of pickleball, I think it's the actual, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Hey, let's grab some pizza afterwards, etc. And I, I know we miss it.
0: Yeah, I mean, interesting during that time frame, a lot of little chitter-chatter conversations during those two hours. But in the middle of it, there was some serious stuff too. Like, I don't know if you remember the lawyer dude who was taking, who was, do you want to share that story? I'm not. Well, he w- he had a client, and that client went and.
1: Oh, he just went through a rough time in his career. Um, I don't know if I'd want to share that whole thing, but. Um, yeah, we got to, so there was deep conversations we we wouldn't have known about it if we weren't doing that together. And
0: so we got to sit and ask some questions and and I
1: went and had lunch with him and you know, we talked through, how do you, how do you navigate that which you know it's not easy but right and maybe. another
0: one went through a breakup during that time frame and we were able to talk to her and encourage her about who mm-hmm. she is as a woman and so the point is is it started out as this fun thing and we had lots of fun conversation and chitter chatter and uh you know posturing you men yeah. were doing a lot of yip yapping posturing but also in the I middle of that well, i don't know what do you guys call it when you like banter and like give each other crap you and, mean
1: when we play really well and yeah whatever
0: Okay, so let's move on. I want to share. <laughs> yep, yep. I want to share uh, another example of a friend of mine. Um, this maybe this would work for some of you. Uh, it's called the fourth chair. My friend Kelly and her two friends, Greg and Rob, came up with this idea that they called the fourth chair. Um, they see they were friends with each other. Kelly knew Greg and Rob, and Rob knew right they knew each other, and they really liked each other, but they didn't know each other's friends their people group. And so, they were like, hey, if I like you, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to like those who you like. So, why don't we get to meet each other's community, if you will? And so, each month, one, one would pick a person and a place to meet, eat, and conversate. Now, what did I tell you my hobbies were? Meet, eat, and conversate. So, yes, I got picked for the fourth chair. By the way, Steve didn't. And it was an absolutely delightful evening. And so maybe that's something that could work for you guys. The point I'm trying to make is we've got to get creative in how to find and make friends. And I'd love for you guys out there listening to email me or tell me on my Facebook page how you've created these spaces for community. Because we need all different kinds of ideas. Because the ideas that Steve and I are sharing may not actually work for a lot of you. But something you share, somebody might go, oh my gosh, I could totally do that. That totally fits who I am. One of the things Steve and I talked about here is initiating, and the other thing is um, it takes energy. Building and rebuilding relationships takes energy. Um, So you and I found ourselves there, right, Uh, where we were exhausted. You were the executive pastor at the time. You were on several boards. You were launching parachurch ministries, you launched Water as Basic during that time frame. I was the teaching pastor to women, getting my doctorate. I had th- we had three kids, and Friday night would come, and we just looked at each other, and we were exhausted. We didn't have a lot of energy to do what it took to build friendships. So we uh, came up with an idea.
1: Yeah, I, I think we were exhausted, but I also I think that was a that was a stage where our kids were suddenly having their own thing going on. So. There's nothing worse than sitting around on Friday, and the only thing you have to watch is 2020, you know, or whatever stupid show is on TV. And so we were like, we, we've, we've, our, our, the nature of our lives has kind of it shifted. It, well, and, and it, it, broke, it broke. Yeah, it had shifted, and we needed to rebuild some relationships. So we, we, we started the wine and cheese gatherings, which was, which became an, a movement. It was almost <laughs> a, a job in itself. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: It kind of did. Yeah,
1: I mean, you want me to describe what we did? Or, <laughs> yeah,
0: tell us what we did. So let me back up and just clarify real quick. Our kids got to an age where, you know, we no longer had to drive them around every night and every weekend where they doing something. They reached that stage where they actually go off and do something themselves. And Steve and I kind of looked at each other and went, uh, what are we doing? Mm. And we realized that we needed to shift how we did our community, that, that having the kids around was no longer all of it right right and yep. that we needed to move on and develop some things right. um and so we came up with this wine cheese and curated conversations so tell us what we did and how we set it up and all of that
1: well we were probably you know typically i started off a little too bold and too strong but um <laughs> basically just put a list together for everybody we knew or thought we knew and i mean we went very broad um uh, they didn't have to be close for relationships. They could might
0: be, be somebody we talked to at Starbucks.
1: It could be a couple neighbors. It could be uh, somebody we interacted with. You know, maybe they painted the house. I don't know. Uh, you name it. But we put a blind email list together and put out dates for uh, an evening of wine and cheese, and you know, first come first serve on the dates. And at the time, I think we were doing it every two weeks. Every with, two too, weeks. A little too intense, too much. probably. But uh, that's not
0: like us at all. No,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, so folks would re- respond and, and they didn't know who was going to be there. And they would, their job was to bring a bottle of wine and a, and a cheese. And, and, and I think it's very important to um, not be formal when people arrive. So we would kind of get them in the kitchen, help them to cut up the cheese and make, you know, platters, etc. And then we would sit around the table uh so several- when they
0: came in you didn't let them sit down
1: no i in fact coming into a, a i didn't want us to be sitting down i want us to be active in the kitchen and have them join us in the kitchen and he doesn't even as we've restarted that here recently in austin um i think it's important that we we, we have to pick that back up getting people in the kitchen etc there's something that kind of breaks down the barriers yes. people don't clump into here this couple that couple and ask the normal boring questions um
0: and we actually know this is true. Like if you give somebody something to do, mm-hmm. there, there's a nervousness to entering a room uh, where there's people
1: with, with strangers. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And yeah. so if you can give them something to do, it's a bit of a distraction or yeah. something they can purposely talk mm-hmm. about while they're doing something. Yeah. So,
1: so we'd have these curated conversations over a three hour period, and uh, the you know we had a couple of rules: no politics, no religion, um, and you couldn't sit next to the person you came with, and and we would just start to to. Enjoy the cheese and the wine, and and I always had three questions, uh, starting with a soft ball and then moving on to something, you know, more meaningful as we got to know each other and kind of curating that as the night goes on, trying to read the room and sometimes changing the questions. But, you know, just to give an example... um, you know, if we had one during December time, it might say, ask a simple question of, you know, what's an experience for you at Christmas when you were a child that you think everybody should have or they haven't really had a real Christmas? And then in context of that, tell us who you are, where this is, where you grew up, that kind of thing. You know, there's fun stuff that comes out of that.
0: And we don't go around in a circle. No. It's not like you start with one person. So you might say something like... And, of course, everybody gets a little nervous as soon as the first question gets thrown out, right? But that's like, an easy one. That's, a that's one an easy answer. one. Yeah, that's the whole um, point. But sometimes if if Steve senses that the room's getting real quiet and, like, nobody knows whether to go first or not, he'll say, well, whose birthday is closest to today? And whoever that is, they start. Right. And we say, we even usually will say... There's no need to answer in a circle here. No. We're not looking for that. We look for a ping-ponging kind of conversation, and not but a, one person speaks at a time.
1: Not every yes, one one conversation at a time. Not everybody wants to speak, and you know you'd like everybody to, but then we move on to more little more meaningful questions. Um, I mean, and you know, often ending with something quite in depth. Maybe if this is uh, your last Christmas ever. You know you're you're not going to make it through the next year. Who's somebody you need to give the gift of forgiveness to and why? Um, Those kinds of questions get pretty intimate and pretty deep. Um, We did a fun one recently here in Austin where we just asked the question at the end. This is kind of a uh, popcorn round was um, uh, uh, the biography of somebody at this table is being written. Uh, how would you title that biography and you can't title your own. Some You have to t- title it for other people. And it was fun to hear how people had picked up people's personalities and how they named books. And I thought it was quite encouraging for people too to, to hear how people would name them. And, I, and so for me, so we did that to kind of start building relationships for us. But I think the the byproduct that may have been more powerful was the relationships built around those tables, people that have gone, gone on and make appointments to get together and, and have mutual. Um, you know, recently we had a somebody in their 30s and somebody in their 50s um, at the table and both, turns out, love to jam on their guitars and they're planning to get together and they're from very different backgrounds and different walks of life, et cetera. But um, I think that's an atmosphere that is desperately not needed by us and by others. In fact, we got to the point where we would sometimes, you know, you remember, we'd go in you know, a grocery store or something, somebody come up to us and say, hey, <laughs> I, I hear you. Can we get on your wine and cheese list? And we're like, oh, man, I mean, the list is long. And it's I think a we had about
0: 100 people on it at one oh, time. Oh, at least, yeah. Yeah, and we did start having people left and right, actually, yeah. start asking us. How do we get invited to this We thing? had to
1: take a break. We're getting too fat on wine and cheese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned something that's pretty important, I think, and and I think you and I have been a, a pretty deliberate about this, or maybe it's just naturally how we connect with people, but our wine and cheeses are not always the same demographic so you know we we have like the last one we had 30 year olds 40 year olds 50 year olds 60 year olds um we oh, yeah, have single the- women single men we have so it's not like it's all married people or it's not all just young people or it's not all people our age it's
1: successful executives working people um high income low income middle income you know Immigrant, non. I mean, we had one that was really fun. I forgot all about that. We had one. Everybody at the table was an immigrant, um, from different places—from Australia to England to Colombia to Mexico to illegal. Um, yeah. That was a fabulous, and interesting night of conversation as well. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, fascinating. Well, one of the that's interesting. I want to bounce to that just a little bit. Um, is that I think one of my favorite things about doing these wine and cheeses has been, um, well, first of all, it's just fascinating to, you know, I love to observe and listen to people and I find people to be art for me. They're just profoundly, I think people are the most beautiful things in the universe. They're just so profoundly interesting. Um, So I love that. But I think what's been so fascinating to me is that we have invited people spontaneously. People have, you know, we've collected this vast, list of people's names that from all different kinds of walks of life and inevitably every time and they don't know who's on the list. They can't see each other's names. Mm -hmm. They can't plot to come with their friends. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen. And almost every single time it ends up, there's this theme that pops up from the questions that we had no idea about. Right. Like immigration. The one time I remember was the question about, um, who do you need to forgive if this is your last Christmas? The gift of forgiveness, and shockingly, around the table, four men out of eight people shared eight or ten—I can't remember—that they needed to forgive the person who had sexually molested them. I—I I, none of those men knew each other. The fact that that came out at that table—I've never heard men do that publicly before. Nobody's
1: ever going to come to our wine and cheese night. <laughs>
0: Uh, my point is, oh, then there was another one. Like we had, again, random people. We get around the table. And I think you and I were the only ones at the table who had not grown up under this particular strain of Christianity, this particular church group. Everybody else at the table had, and they all started talking about how they were recovering from that mm-hmm. particular woundedness. You're and right, right. We couldn't have planned that if we wanted to. It's almost like we were being random and God was not.
1: Yeah. Um, it's been interesting cause they also get people that say, Hey, or do we have to have meaningful conversation? Do we have to have questions? Can't we just hang out together, et cetera. And, uh, I've never had anybody, we've never had anybody leave who wasn't like, thank you. That was fantastic. Yeah. And, and and then people's exchanging numbers, et cetera. And I'm trying to think if we've actually developed a lot of friendships out of that or if others have more than we actually have, um,
0: I think Kelly came from wine and cheese, yeah,
1: yeah and i and I think we've built deeper relationships with people, yeah for sure. I mean you yeah. can't help but have something more now, let's go back to initiative though um when you learn that when when things come out and you learn about people, I think there's something odd when we don't follow up with them so uh, it's it's it Thing, when things get, you shared mean when in,
0: somebody shares something when, vulnerable. When things like get that.
1: shared in a in a context like that, it, it can, you know it's a safe place, but there some oftentimes there needs to be a, a point to say, hey, I'd love to have coffee and and just follow up on that, and I think that's important.
0: I call it clothing them. So you and I have talked about this before that somebody when they share something vulnerable, the next day they feel naked and hungover because they shared, and so it uh, it's helpful. If we go clothe them, whether mm-hmm. that's a text mm-hmm. of, hey, I really appreciate what you shared last night that took a lot of courage, whether it's meeting for coffee and revisiting, whatever it is, it's a way to say to that person, hey, I saw what you did last night, and I know you probably are waking up this morning thinking, what the hell did I just do?
1: Right. But I don't think it's always just even those kinds of things. I mean, it, it can even be somebody sharing, and you, by the end of the night, you realize they're at a crossroads in life where they're trying to figure out how to have a little more meaning to their career. Yeah. Um, somebody I had coffee with today. That was uh, kind of a byproduct of our conversation. And, you know, I, I really do need to follow up on that. And if I don't, um, I, I'm basically saying I don't care if they, right. and therefore it's not going to develop into more of a deep right. relationship.
0: Initiative, yeah. initiative, it's initiative, it's initiative. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, just I,
1: Again, it's like working out. I mean, if you don't work, if you don't make an effort to get up and, and work out, you're not going to um, stay physically fit. Right and it's same thing with food etc and and i think we don't realize with relationships because i do think our early relationships in life happened by accident by just being in the same class together right, no, we went right. to kindergarten together you know uh, we played on the you know, seventh on grade the basketball street. team yep. but you, that's not the way life works now and so uh, that kind of effort has to be part of it yep. otherwise you wind up looking at each other again on a friday night and going huh
0: yeah. With, yeah, and I really like you, but oof, we learned during the pandemic that we need a lot of people in the middle of our marriage in order to really do well.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're together all the time, and, we, <laughs> and and as you said, you're obsessed with that, uh, deep questions, etc. and I need a break.
0: I know. When I married Steve, my mother said to me, uh, Jackie, you're a submarine, and Steve is a sailboat, and every once in a while, you need to come up and sail, <laughs> which takes me to the next thing I want to talk about um, in the last <laughs> episode. I spoke about this uh, brain science this book done by Murphy called you're uh, you're not listening. And in that book she talks about the, the book you want me to read. Yes, I it is read. the book that I want you to read. I've mentioned it twice on this episode on episodes and still haven't read it. Okay. And I spoke on how our brain waves sync when someone listens and really gets what what we're saying. And and it's literally our brains sync. Um, And she says, our desire to have our brains sync um, uh, or to connect with another person is basic and primal. It starts at birth. She said, we are all waiting for it. It's how we find friends, create partnerships, advance ideas, and fall in love. And I was thinking about... um, Steve, I'll never forget when you and I actually spent time together before we got married. Mm. You had just graduated from NYU, bought yourself a Westphalia, and were traveling the country for a year. And you invited me to come to California to do some hiking and Big stuff mistake. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Cost you 35 years. Um I think you meant for me to come out for a few days but I had never been to California so I booked a ticket for three weeks which was now a who little does that? I mean,
1: that's well crazy.
0: somebody who wants to travel California and you were a little shocked and a little overwhelmed um, at that time you were a little bit of a loner you had you know, lived alone in your own apartment, and you'd kind of, you really like yourself, so you were okay being by
1: yourself. I lived and, in a van by myself. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. so you lived in a van, you were very happy alone. And I showed up for three weeks, and I literally got off the airplane, got in the car, put my feet up on the dashboard, and said, so, if you were going to be the President of the United States, what would you do? And I didn't stop for that for the next three weeks. Um, tell them what you said to me at the end of our time together.
1: Well, first of all, I, I think you have the uh, order uh, slightly backwards. I think when we first got in the car, I said, um, we d- you know, there were some rules to being in the van. One is we don't do, you know, speed or anything like that because we don't want to get pulled over, et cetera. And while I was telling you that, I rear-ended to San Francisco police That officer. is true. I remember that. You were yeah, t- you I think were that, was the first, me yes. that was the first experience. And then you put your feet up after <laughs> they let us go um, and uh, didn't stop talking. I, I, I can remember to this day pulling up on Route 1 after three weeks of traveling around the Sierra Mountains, et cetera, and saying, you haven't shut up for three weeks. Can You got to go home. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You got to go home. And I did. And I did. But I just want to say this. I think, what was it, three days?
1: Oh, no. Within 24 hours, I was I was going nuts. So I drove straight, straight across country without stop and knocked on your door and said, okay.
0: Yeah, he missed those questions. He missed those questions. Little
1: did I know that would lead to (laughs) 35 years of that, though. Oh, my God.
0: 35 years this month. Yeah. Okay, the point to this is uh, we started to get to know each other by asking questions. And we've been asking each other questions ever since. And um, there is power in asking good questions. And we have seen the benefits of that in our relationship.
1: Yeah, but you're, you're, you're actually the instigator of that in our relationship. I think you're, over the years we've seen that communication is probably one of the greatest keys to um, a good marriage. There's plenty of other things that people think are important that I don't think are. Um, there's all kinds of mixes in marriages, but not being knowing each other is is a recipe for difficulty, and you've always insisted. Yeah, that we communicate. I've always insisted insisted on knownness. Oh my God! Yeah,
0: because I realize it is very frustrating at times. Yeah, I know, but it is what God wants from us is deep, deep knownness. You can't
1: just say it's what God wants. I'm telling you, right? But uh, it It is
0: right, people. It is. It's in the text.
1: Difficult for me. I didn't grow up in an upbringing where we always went deep, but uh, grateful.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: Grateful that we've um, that you've insisted on that.
0: Yeah. Um. We've all been in situations, you know, where one person might be a better asker than the other. I know it's not really a word, honey. Um, but if you're in a situation where you're constantly the person asking and no one ever asks back, it can really leave you feeling unpursued, mm-hmm. unknown. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody wants to be pursued. And I think we use that word, and desired, by the way. And I think we use that word, those words, in in constantly in context to sexuality, but friends want to be pursued. We want to be desired as a friend also. Those are not just sexual words. Those are relational words. And, and I suspect that those of you listening out there, you have been in situations where you've been the one asking and no one is asking back, and it's a crappy feeling.
1: Yeah, and I, uh, let me jump in here. Yeah, I, I just want to say, I would say and the majority of them, coffees, beer, whatever moments I have with others, um, I'm the one asking questions. I think we all need to, to approach getting together with. I'm going to ask the other person a couple of questions. Yep, other we wo- should
0: enter into a conversation saying, Absolutely. I need to leave here with yep. one bit of information by asking this person questions." Right. And that I, I feel don't
1: like know. my my closest uh, uh, friends are those who ask questions. You know, who, who surprise me when you know we're mm-hmm. hanging out and they, they ask a poignant question that causes me to think and respond. And it, yeah, there's a there's a huge knownness to that.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, one of the things that when we did when we first got married, or maybe ten years into the marriage, you know, as you mentioned, I'm I'm the questioner and. Uh, so I had shared with you that I wanted to feel pursued by you that way, that I wanted to be desired by you that way, by you coming after me to know me, mm-hmm. like come after me. And so I had this cue I gave you, and I'm giving this to the audience in case you want to use it, right? This, And you received the cue that I handed to you. And the cue that I asked Steve was, I said, hey, when I get to that point, because I recognize I'm the initiator and better at asking questions than most people, so... That's what I should do 99% of the time. But every once in a while, I want someone to come back after me. So what I say to Steve is, so what kind of questions would you like to ask me today?
1: That's a cue? That's a cue. That's not a cue. That's a a two by four upside (laughs) down. What the heck are you talking about? You
0: don't take it that way, do you?
1: No, but I mean, it's not like it's a, it's not like it's, it's, um, it, I have to figure it out. It's real clear. Right. Well, I I do speak with clarity. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah.
0: But I, I had, but, but way before I asked that question, I laid the groundwork and said, here's what it is that I need and yeah. why. And you said, okay. And I said, here's the sentence I'm going to use. And so anyway, that's worked really good for us. Um, so Michael Frost gives us another tool on how we can cue others when the conversation seems one-sided. He says, you can say something like this. Sorry, I've been dominating by asking all the questions. I suppose you've got a lot of questions about my life. I love that. I've been dominating by asking all the questions. I, I bet there's some questions you'd like to ask me. Mm. That's a beautiful way to do it. By the way, sometimes when people are the askers, they're always asking the questions. It's because they can control the conversation and don't have to reveal anything about themselves. They're choosing to be unknown. They, The idea of of being known is too vulnerable for them so they control through questioning but again i think these cues are helpful ways to, to pivot back and say no this has to be back and forth it mm-hmm. can't just be a one-way relationship mm-hmm. um so steve what have been let's go back to the wine and cheese i know we're, we're almost finished here people but i want to ask steve like what have been some of your favorite questions
1: That we've asked it when in Jesus? Yeah. Well, the one you know, who who uh, you know you want to give a, a gift at Christmas. Who's somebody you need to forgive? Um, these these are comes of the deep ones that have led to some interesting conversations. But uh, also, um, who who do you need to receive forgiveness from? Um, boy, I'm actually
0: blanking aren't blanking you Blanking
1: all of a sudden and, and and I thought through these a couple of times um,
0: <sighs> you asked the question one time that I thought was really interesting it was what makes a home
1: yeah see, I see I I'm always coming up with new questions so I forget
0: I know and I have a list of them by the way yeah. which I am going to post on the Jackie always unplugged Facebook page
1: I try to have a theme for the night so uh, sometimes around the Season or sometimes like we have one tonight actually, and it's uh, January, so um, I think it'll be around um, hopes and uh, and dreams, and it'll be interesting to see how how we connect over those questions. And I I will prepare them ahead of time, but also have some backups to and some different directions to go depending on how things go. Um, it's important that. Uh, you create – I'm going to go back to this. I think because we've talked a lot about the wine and cheeses. There are a lot of ways to create community, but not only getting people in the kitchen using their hands, but also around the table as well. So the passing of plates. Uh, we've back and forth done this all the time. You want to make 14 different you know, <laughs> fruit and cheese plates. And I'm like, no, let's make people pass. Let's make them ask each other. Uh, I think that helps break down barriers. It, it, it just it, – it's just remarkable how um, – Physical movement can help create an atmosphere for questions.
0: But share with us why you don't let spouses sit next to each other.
1: They have a tendency to defer. And in a lot of relationships, um, one, not necessarily male or not necessarily female, but one person tends to answer all the questions. And so by not being right next to each other, they are, there's just more of an individuality. There's more of a sense of uh well I, I think this has a lot to do with couples, but um sometimes one part of the couple is used to the other answering for them mm-hmm. and yeah. that's not part that's that's not what we want and, and people answer at different paces, so even my own parents if if you put them around a table, my mom's ready to go, and my dad might not say anything for an hour and a half, but then when he does, you want to listen, and you want to give space for different personalities to respond uh as 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 they're wired.
0: And then we also have a thing about not communicating um, that everything's about married couples. We have a lot of single friends. You and I have a lot of single friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, when people get coupled up, I I don't know this because I've been married for so long, but my single friends have shared to us how it feels like they're uncoupled when they come into those environments. So in many ways, it makes everybody an individual. Mm rather than being partners when they show up.
1: Right, that's one of our goals, yeah. Yeah. And the questions Uh, are individual.
0: The questions are individual. So I'm going to read a couple of the questions. Um, You ask, is it more important for communication to be real or kind? That's one question. When you were young, what did you want to do and be when you grew up? What is one amendment to the Constitution you would add? How are you crazy? (laughs) I you know, love that. Jackie answered that for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have any view from your back porch, what would it be? And I think my three favorites, um, I actually got together a group of our my ministry supporters, the M100s, and we put a wine and cheese on for them. And you came up with three questions. They were my favorite questions, and they were um, – you asked, the first question was, growing up, who was a friend, a childhood friend that was from the opposite gender? Mm-hmm. And that was really fun to hear the stories, right? Like, someone were like, I never even had a friend that was, you know, whatever. And then the second one was, how would our society be different if it were matriarchal versus patriarchal, which was fascinating. And then the third question you asked is, if you could partner with one person of the opposite gender and do something with that person in this world, what would it be and why? And that, too, was really fascinating.
1: Yeah, that was a theme, obviously, that night.
0: Yeah, 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 it was. And who did I pick? Do you remember who I picked that I would do something with?
1: The opposite gender? Uh-huh. Is it Brad Pitt?
0: No, gosh, no. <laughs> N.T. right. Oh, that's right, It's yeah. <laughs> not even close. Oh, my gosh. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, okay, well, who would you pick? If you could do one project with one woman anywhere in the world today, who, who would you come alongside? What would you want to
1: do? Um, I actually probably would be Hillary Clinton. Explain. Um, but, I, you know, I work in South Sudan. Um, she's been to South Sudan. Um, we have a mutual friend that uh, we both, Hillary, like, like I say Hillary like we're buds, but you know, that we appreciate <laughs> together. And um, I, I, I sensed and saw in her uh, compassion for those in places that are um, really broken and, and where there's a lot of oppression that she wanted to, to to make a difference and I, I think um with my creative ideas and, and a vision and her connections and determination that we could probably make some interesting things happen
0: yeah I will tell you maybe someday the story of Steve can I tell that story right now
1: no it's not uh, what you?
0: you know being the bodyguard yeah oh I gotta tell the story okay you weren't there I know the story. You called me.
1: Okay, I'll tell the story.
0: No, uh, no, no, no. You set it up. I'm going to tell the part, my part.
1: Okay, go ahead. Well,
0: you were at.
1: Uh, we were at the Clinton Global Initiative in the in the Hilton in downtown man in the middle of Manhattan, uh, 54th Street, I think it is, and um, getting ready for the gentleman I worked with, uh, Bishop Taban, to to be featured and at their program and because he
0: had won the award yes he's one of the along one. with Mal- malala yes. right same time several, yeah. several
1: other people yeah and uh, we wound up in a room where they were clearing out the room uh it was like everybody leave you know except for hillary and i guess i guess i can't remember who else was in the room but then they looked at me and said oh you can stay your your secret, secret
0: service <laughs>
1: My my highest moment in life. Steve
0: texts me. He's like, oh my God, they think I'm secret servant. I don't know why I didn't have a
1: sunglasses. I don't even own a pair of sunglasses. And
0: I was just like, are you kidding me? He's sitting there with the vice president of the United States and all he can think of is, yeah, I look like a badass. They think I'm social, social security.
1: She wasn't vice president at the time. Uh, she was
0: secretary secretary of state. Secretary of yeah. state. yeah. Anyway.
1: <laughs> but I don't even own a pair. Uh, I don't own a pair of Ray Bans, so I don't think I can. Make I know. Service. I know.
0: But you got the earring, and you obviously had, had thing headphones in, and anyway, so funny. It's not funny. All right, we digress. Mm-hmm. Um, the point I wanted to have here with you is just what does it take to rebuild relationships when. When, they're, when we're going through life's transitions, we have to keep rebuilding. What what one thing left do you want to say to our listeners before we close
1: out? I, I just think it takes effort. Uh, I, I think in, in any practice, if you let it go, it's just easy to let it go and let it go and let it go. And it takes effort um, to build relationships. Now, with that said, I also think when relationships are really special, it takes no effort. Mm. At moments Mm. Uh, and I think you know uh, I went through a major job transition was in shock etc my friend Ben just showed up and we sat in two lawn chairs by the pool and finished off a bottle of tequila I think but um, and just sat. you know Um, it didn't take effort for us to be together that day because we'd had a lot of time together you'd already built up those 200 hours right 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 but I, I think we're in those we're in a moment in life where we have to be making effort or we'll wind up, you know, just you and I.
0: Yeah, which is great, but, you know, hey, all right, all right. On that note, on that note, (laughs) I'm going to post some of our questions from our Wine and Cheeses on the Facebook uh, page, and you can find it there. And I wanted to just remind all of you listening, if you're in the Dallas-Austin area, that we're going to be starting up Wine, Women, and Jesus Bible Studies again in February. So if you want any information on that or want to register, you can go to my website, Jackie... No, themarcellaproject.com, and you can find out all the info on that website. And uh, you're going to have to go to the Bible Studies and then go down and scroll down that page, and you'll see the different locations, three different locations in February. And also... um, be looking for the next episode on friendship um, coming up in February, because I'm going to be looking at some female friendships, relationships in the scriptures. And I'm also going to be sharing um, some of my stories about some healthy and unhealthy female relationships that I've had. And so I'd I'd love to hear from you guys. Feel free to email me, check out some stuff on the Facebook page. Let's stay in touch. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Hey, if you've enjoyed this conversation, then hop on over to themarcellaproject.com and sign up for our email or check out some of our other resources. You can also find me on the Marcella Project Facebook page or on every other platform of social media as Jackie Reese, R-O-E-S-E. Have a great day.